Parkview, this is Devin, your Communications Director, and welcome to the Groups Podcast. This is the episode for the week of November 20th through the 26th. First off, Happy Thanksgiving. I know our staff here are extremely thankful for each of you. What a blessing it is to know you and get to do life alongside you. Let's remember why we're here. Community groups make whole disciples by cultivating an environment of relational safety where the spiritual initiative of the group leads to the growth of each member. With that, here's some announcements for the week. You might be like me and think that it's kind of crazy that Thanksgiving is already this week. Where is 2023 gone? And what that also means is that Christmas is just a few weeks away. It's crazy. I don't know what's happening. But I do know that we are gearing up at Parkview for the Christmas season. We have a handful of amazing events for everyone this Christmas season. And you can find all the details at parkviewchurch.org events. But here's just a couple that I'd like to highlight for you. I am personally excited about this, but we are having our first ever big Christmas party. Let me tell you what that means. We are pulling out all the stops to bring you and your family a Christmas event you'll never forget. Cookie decorating, live music, a short Christmas message, silly photo booths and games, inflatables for the kids. What a blast! I'm singing in the band for this night and we have some amazing Christmas carols planned as usual. So let's just say, you want to be there. It's on Friday, December 1st from 6 to 8 p.m. here at Central Campus. Invite all your friends. There is no entrance fee. It's completely free for everyone. I'm very excited. It's going to be a blast. All right, and next up is our Awana Christmas store. As you all know, Awana has been running as per usual with some amazing volunteer leaders like Andrea Elliott and others, and it's time for their Awana Christmas store. If you don't know what that means, here's a little breakdown. You and I donate new or gently used items to the store. Andrea and the Awana team set up a store of sorts to during one of their Awana nights, and kids can use their Awana dollars that they've earned memorizing scripture to buy gifts from the store for their friends and family for Christmas. So, what we need from you now is those donations. There will be a list in the show notes of what they're collecting, and you can drop those in the Awana box in the Central Campus Lobby anytime between November 19th, which was yesterday, and December 10th. Let's show these kids some love and get them some awesome toys and gifts to bless their families with. Again, that list will be in the show notes, and as always, you can find the info for anything announced on the podcast at parkviewchurch.org slash next steps. Now let's turn it over to Pastor Len Brooks for our guide segment. Hello, I'm Len, the pastor of Care at East Campus. Let's talk about one of the most beautiful and famous passages in the Bible, found in Luke chapter 6, verses 20 to 26. Now, context is crucial to understanding the intended meaning and purpose of a text, so let's think about context first. In the Gospel of Luke, volume 1 of his two-volume set, which includes Acts, Luke's eyewitness accounts of the life and teachings of Jesus give a certain foundation for faith and discipleship. Now, just before the passage at hand, Luke describes Jesus spending a whole night in prayer after which he made the crucial choice of his main disciples, called apostles, who would carry on the work after he was gone. Then in our passage, verses 20 to 26, and in the rest of chapter 6, Jesus instructs these disciples on how to be disciples that will weather the storms. Starting from verse 12, the section could be called the selection of the twelve and their marching orders. So let's explore the passage. A couple of notes first. First of all, Luke's version is significantly different from Matthew's version. Why? Luke's description may be from a different but related teaching of Jesus. 
Or perhaps Luke and Matthew selected different portions of the same message of Jesus because of their different purposes. Another thing to note is the general structure. Four sets of blessings followed and balanced by four sets of woes. Each blessing and woe has the same literary structure. A pronouncement of a blessing or woe, followed by a description of a lifestyle that related to the blessing or woe, followed by a huge consequence in eternity for that lifestyle. Now, Because of this beautiful structure, there are two ways one could work through this text. One could go verse by verse, which would be four blessings and then four woes, or one could pair the blessings and woes. For instance, in verse 20, blessed are you who are poor could be paired with this corresponding woe in verse 24, woe to you who are rich. Now these blessings and woes not only contrast the kingdom of God in the world, but also are a call to the type of life a disciple of Jesus should live. The four blessings and four woes weigh the cost and benefits of discipleship. Now, don't you hate it when you're driving and suddenly come across an unexpected fork in the road? You quickly look for signs that tell where the roads are going. I think this is what this passage is about. In essence, Jesus appears to show his disciples that there are two roads of life to choose from and shows them the destination of each road. So let's look at the first section. Four blessings in verses 20 to 23. This passage is so beautiful, it's exquisite. Jesus, Jesus often placed important truth in memorable words. Now, as I read this, close your eyes and imagine you had just been up higher on the mountain where Jesus had chosen you to be one of his key disciples. And then just before he speaks, Jesus looks directly at you and then says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. Or so their fathers did to the prophets. Wow. It's beautiful, isn't it? But wait. Poor, hungry, weeping, hated? That doesn't sound so beautiful. So what is blessed about being poor, hungry, weeping, and hated? None of, of those conditions in themselves are blessed or happy or fortunate. Let me suggest a couple of answers. First of all, perhaps... Their difficult situation is a blessing because it motivates them to trust God. In fact, according to the Jews, dependence on God went hand in hand with being poor. On the other hand, the rich would tend to trust in their riches. But I think there's a better solution. Perhaps a key that unlocks what is going on is in the context. Jesus had just chosen his key disciples in verses 13 to 16. And then before he began to speak, Jesus looked at his disciples in verse 20. And finally, in verse 22, Jesus says their rejection is on account of the Son of Man. That phrase, on, the, on account of the Son of Man, indicates that their sorrowing or their suffering was on account of being Jesus' disciples. Perhaps they were poor, hungry, 
sorrowful, and even rejected because of being Jesus' disciples. As Chuck Swindoll notes, Jesus promises followers hatred, social rejection, verbal reproach, and defamation of character because of their connection with Jesus. Respectable, even leading citizens of their world order would label Jesus' disciples as enemies of the state and their religion and persecute them as outlaws. Many Jews' worst fear was excommunication from the community. The punishment was financial, social, cultural, and spiritual. They would often experience poverty, hunger, sorrow, and rejection. So Jesus was showing that the way, the road of a disciple, was very costly, as his disciples would soon discover. But was it worth it? The promised benefits were kingdom, heavenly satisfaction, joy, and reward. Jesus said their reward would be great in heaven, but not in their earthly life. If they understood the nature of that future reward, they would have joy in the midst of their suffering and persecutions. So this was the life of the apostle, the disciples, who weren't greater than their master who suffered the same things. But there is another road one can choose. Road number two is the road of the woes, a complete reversal of road number one. Instead of great cost in this life with great reward in the future, it is the road of great satisfaction now with great loss in the future. Each woe contrasts the corresponding blessing passage, the rich, full, laughing, and liked of verses 24 to 26, contrasts with the poor, hungry, weeping, and persecuted of verses 20 to 23. So in this section, instead of blessed are the poor, Jesus now says, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe is an, an exclamation of pain or pity for the misfortune that awaits or has overtaken someone. There's nothing wrong with riches per se, but when we choose money, career, and things over following Jesus, we have a huge problem with a huge consequence. Woe. Second, instead of blessed are the hungry, Jesus now says, Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Third, instead of blessed are the sad, Jesus now says, Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And finally, instead of blessed when you are persecuted, Jesus now says, Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. These, these woes seem to be describing the loss for someone who chooses to love self-satisfaction more than serving Jesus. So in this beautiful yet unnerving text, Jesus pictures two different roads of life that lead to huge and different consequences. Now one important question I still have is whether the people described by the woes are just poor disciples or are unbelievers. Whatever it is, this road is not the road we should take. So here's, here's a possible big idea for this text. Disciples of Jesus must make a critical choice of who they will follow, Jesus, which is very costly now, or self, which is very costly later. Let me say that again. Disciples of Jesus must make a critical choice of who they will follow, Jesus, which is very costly now, or self, which is very costly later. Here's a few applications. Yogi Berra, the great New York Yankee catcher, once quipped, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. 
Uh, Jesus presented his disciples and us with a fork in the road. The choice before every disciple is, what road will I take? The hard way of a disciple of Jesus or the pleasurable way of a disciple of self-gratification? This critical choice lays the foundation for one's life as a disciple of Jesus. And the choice we make has huge implications, doesn't it? We can choose the costly life of following Jesus now, which results in immeasurable blessings in eternity, or we can choose the life of self-gratification now, but immeasurable loss in eternity. And most of us believers seem to find, try to find a middle road, don't we? We want to be his disciple for part of the day, but not necessarily all of the day. And this passage is a call to repentance for all of us who are tempted to trust too much in wealth, comfort, popularity, and possessions. Later in Luke's presentation of Jesus, Jesus put it this way, if anyone, would come, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it or save it. And my prayer for all of us is that the Holy Spirit will use this truth from Jesus to motivate all of us to become whole disciples of Jesus. 